Have you ever wanted to be more superhuman? Are you ready to contribute to the future of humanity while well, you're in the right place? Join Michelle and AJ now for the Becoming Superhuman podcast. You'll be glad that you did. So for those who haven't met me yet, my name is Declan Edwards. Obviously, I'm presenting on resilience today. My background's in positive psychology. Uh, and I'm tuning in from my lovely home in Newcastle for what is currently my last day in this house. Uh, my wife and I wow. are actually moving tomorrow, which is very exciting. Uh, gearing up for a bigger move after coronavirus all passes to uh, Dallas, Texas. So this is the little move to get ready for the big move. That is so exciting. Is AJ on now? Uh, I can. There's a box popped up, but we don't have video or microphone yet. But I can see people tuning in from Oak Island. Oh, another Newcastle, hey April. Uh, Toronto, that's awesome. Now we're talking, Kalina, we're talking Toronto, New South Wales or Toronto, Canada? Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, Declan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Human Summit. So amazing having you on here. Look at where everyone's from. That's so cool. And I'm excited about your Dallas move. Oh, yeah. You've got your hat, haven't you? I do. Yes, I think you saw the photo I sent through of, uh, <laughs> awesome. of the last time I was there. I was living there for a month uh, last year doing some consulting for an uh, uh, allied health company over there in company culture and staff well-being. And, of course, I had to be initiated with a proper 10-gallon hat. Uh, I've also got the big belt buckle. I don't have the boots yet. The boots are the next thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to send us a photo when you get the boot. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, Michelle, I think, is trying to set us up into YouTube today or did you get the Facebook Live working? Um, so what's going to happen is YouTube will work, but it's going to take 24 hours. So <laughs> of course. we um, can't finish it right at the moment. I've done everything I can on it at the moment. Are you going to try Facebook Live just in case again? Yeah. Yep, let's try. Fingers crossed. Right. And I've just been told that my internet must be a bit shaky. Is my voice going funny for you guys? It does a little bit. It seems to be a little bit better now. Um, but we'll okay. See how it plays out. So, everyone, while Michelle is moving over to the Facebook Live and before I hop off, um, I do want to just share with you a little bit of what we've got in store today. You can see the delicious Declan is here in front of you right now. Love that. I'll take it. The last day in his house. Um, and then after him, we have Rebecca Gibson coming on. So make sure when you go to the uh, Human Power website, humanpower.com.au forward slash summit, if the speaker's already on, you can just click register and it will join the live webinar. So it's a really quick, easy way to jump straight in. Um, good branding there, Declan. Got his brand in front of you in his, in his cup. <laughs> oh, and on the arm. Wow, that's commitment. <laughs> After Declan, we have beautiful Rebecca Gibson, who is a psychic medium and intuitive, and she's going to talk about leading from your soul. She is a fascinating woman and also comes from a nursing psych background, has worked in prisons and hospitals, um, as well as being an intuitive. We then have Jerry Rosanov, who's going to talk all about movement and bringing calmness into corona craziness. 
Um, and then in the afternoon at uh, 3 p.m., I'm interviewing Savitha Hossaman. She's coming in from India and she's going to talk about chaos to consciousness and she's a fantastic leadership expert. And then lastly, we have another local from Newcastle who will be Shireen Smith, who's going to talk all about self-treasuring. So not just self-care, but self-treasuring, which I just love the sound of. So that's what we've got in store for you today. I'll hand over to Michelle to do introductions. Remember, be really active in the chat box. Hello, we've got Joe from Maitland. Make sure, and someone's laughing that Declan's delicious. He is, isn't he? I've heard of people from Lickable before, although I don't know how the double would go if you licked him. Um, but make sure down there in the Q&A chat box, you ask questions along the way or chat in the chat box, and Michelle will take care of that. Thanks, AJ. Do you mind just dropping in the group that people need to jump onto the Zoom rather than the, any of the live yeah. stream? That would be awesome. I'll go and do Thanks that. Thanks so now. much. Appreciate Have that. Fun. <laughs> every, every time AJ says delicious something, it makes me laugh. It makes me have this big grin, a big smile. <laughs> Oh dear. So the official title of Declan's talk this morning is about unlocking superhuman resilience. And if there's one thing that I want to know about, it is superhuman resilience. Because what this tells me is that there's something above and beyond your garden variety of resilience. So this is not just, you know, resilience 101. This is your PhD in resilience kind of level of tips and insight and perspective that we're going to be getting this morning. And I'm super excited to hear about that. A couple of the things I just picked up in the overview that you sent through to us, Declan, I've written them down, is that you're going to focus on three different types. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, and it is going to require every single one of us to step up. And that's an interesting point because what it means is that for the majority of us coming from the the existing place that we're at is not going to be enough. We're going to actually have to do something differently as a result to be able to get these outcomes. And I know that the other thing Declan didn't write so much about, but he's very focused on and BU coaching is all about emotional well-being. And I don't think it's possible to have a conversation about resilience without also talking about emotional well-being, given that they're one and the same thing or a similar thing. So we are so excited to have you this morning and I'm going to hand it over to you. As we go along, I might just jump in with a couple of questions and as people are putting things in the chat box, I'll let you know as well so you don't have to worry about monitoring that. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much and uh, thank you to everyone who's tuning in as well. I mean, it means a lot to me to see people jumping on from all around Australia, Canada as well I saw pop up in there. Um, you know, Michelle's really hit the nail on the head where a reason I'm feeling very honored and grateful to be part of this summit is I do think the situation we're in globally at the moment requires great leadership right now in all facets. So, you know, emotionally intelligent leadership. I noticed yesterday there were some great talks on collaboration and communication in leadership, which I love. Um, BU, which is the, the company I run, it's kind of like a, a college for well-being. We actually have freshman, sophomore year. We actually set it up like a US collegiate system. We do spring break retreat each year. Um, our big focus is on creating a ripple effect, right? And I, I do believe that what you guys have been doing throughout this summit and on ongoing is not only making a positive impact in your life, but also spreading a ripple effect to those around you as well, which I think is so beautiful. Like that is how we make the difference in the world and globally uh, that we really need at the moment is by creating those ripples of change. Um, so obviously, you know, 
uh, a big part of being that rebel change is staying resilient in the face of difficulty and challenge and struggle. Uh, so before we jump into it, I'd love to get your guys' thoughts. Uh, feel free to throw in the chat or, um, uh, and I'm sure Michelle or AJ will let me know what comes up. What are your first thoughts when you think about resilience? Like just so I know where you guys are coming from, where you guys are looking at, what are the first thoughts that come to mind when we hear the word resilience? Let me just clarify. AJ, do I need to change you from a co-host? Is that the issue? Uh, what are you wanting me to do? Are you wanting to be on or off? I'm just clarifying. Uh, I'm in the Facebook group. Ah, uh, you're in the Facebook group? Yeah, I'm just sharing about the fact that they have to come here. Ah, <laughs> oh, fantastic. So we can, we can see you and hear you just like you're still in Zoom. Oh, can you? Yeah, you're you're still on the screen as <laughs> exactly no, I, how you I'd were before. I'd gotten out, but you sent me a message saying, would you like to come back on? Do you want to be in the group or out of the group? I don't mind. Oh, oh, all right. See you then. <laughs> See you. Bye. Enjoy. See you, AJ. So I've got a few answers coming through on that, and they're all amazing. I love it. Strength, power, courage, ability to bounce back after a challenge, being positive in a challenging situation. And boun- bouncing back seems to be a word that's coming up in quite a few people's want, which is really interesting. Bouncing again, back. Again, ability yeah. to bounce back. There it is again. I love that. And, and you're right. There's when a lot of the time when I ask people what they think of when they think of resilience, we do tend to think of this idea of, bouncing back so we've had some form of downturn and then there's this bounce back uh now obviously Michelle and tenacity tenacity is a good one too oh, someone's written that. tenacity and yeah, adaptable yeah. and agile i oh, like the word cool. tenacity 100 percent. i love it so yeah you know michelle was talking at the start about how we're going to be looking at not just your normal i think you said garden level variety of resilience which i love uh we're going to be going past that when most people think of resilience they do think of that generic sort of bounce back to where we were what i really want to focus on today guys is how do we not just bounce back to where we were but go further than that um i I don't think it's enough to just go bounce back to the middle we want to obviously bounce and and excel and extend and learn and grow Uh, so there's three different types of resilience that all need to happen together to make that superhuman superhuman resilience come through Uh, so if you are taking notes feel free to write these down and ask any questions about them but our, our, I'm going to call this, yeah, our garden level resilience, our bounce back, our standard resilience, we might call it, uh, our normal human resilience. It's called natural resilience. And this is one that we're, we're really born with. Like human beings as a species are remarkably resilient creatures. Um, so this is like, I've heard it referred to before as like human nature or our life force. And it's this inbuilt human ability to come back from quite difficult circumstances. Uh, and I think that in times of this, it's really important that we don't lose sight of the fact that this type of resilience is actually built in. Like we're born with this, which is awesome. And for anyone who has kids, you'd see that level of bounce back and resilience is incredible in children. Um, you know, is this really built in human nature, part of resilience. So that's the part that really is designed to get us back to that level we were before the challenge at hand. So a lot of us talking about bounce back. That's where we see it. Can I ask a question there? Do of you course. think, um, given the variety of life circumstances that people have and the different um, traumatic experiences that some mm. people can have, do you think it's always possible in every situation to bounce back? Or do you think that, you know, across a period of time, there's a cumulative toll, <laughs> so to speak? Yeah, 100%. So what they've found is that stress and trauma 
actually begins to chip away at this natural built-in resilience. So this first type of resilience, we're looking at that natural resilience. Imagine it's like you're born with a, a tank of resilience. And throughout life, there will be situations uh, and challenges that almost poke holes in the tank and it drains the resilience a little bit. So they, we do know that unresolved trauma or chronic and consistent stress that's not managed well does decrease uh, that reserve. So there is that bit of a nature versus nurture thing mm. there coming yeah, in. Really good question too. Um, the next two types of resilience though are the ones that really take us to that superhuman level. So yes, we've got this built-in tank of resilience. It's beautiful that we all have it. If we want to go past that and really excel with our resilience, we want to start looking at a type of resilience called adaptive resilience. So adaptive resilience is, I mean, the best way to think of this is like trial by fire or it's make or break. This is the one that comes up. My favorite way of thinking about adaptive resilience is uh, growing through what we go through. So we go through these difficult, challenging times in our life and that has the ability to either make us or break us. Um, You know, I'm talking, you know, very life-shifting events. These are big changes. Uh, For a lot of people, we're actually seeing already what we're going through at the moment globally is a uh, good example of of one of those uh, times where we could be leaning more into adaptive resilience. Uh, I'm sure many people on this this session would have uh, come across or been familiar with the term post-traumatic stress. Uh, what the, what you may not have heard about much is post-traumatic growth. So this is a phenomenon that they've studied uh, in soldiers returning from war and people who've lost their, you know, their jobs or their income, people who've gone through really difficult events. And what they're finding is it's almost like a bell curve where there's a tail end of people who do unfortunately go through post-traumatic stress, but there's a tail end on the other side that go through post-traumatic growth and come out better from it. And that's fascinating. Like that, there's a lot of research around how do we get to that end? How do we grow through, as I said, what we go through? Um, I might uh, open that up to you guys. If you have any thoughts before I share some of my perspectives on how we do that, how do you think we could edge ourselves as individuals and as leaders to be more likely to have that adaptive resilience and enjoy growth from these difficult Uh, and challenging times that we may experience throughout life. So what strategies do they use? Is that right? So someone's saying focusing on the positives rather than worrying about the negatives. So that's from Nosh. And Sarah's saying through talks like this, so mindset work and exposing herself to new information and things that are useful. I love it. Uh, And AJ's saying surrounding myself with high vibe people. Yes, community is so important. And Colleen saying, own your own experience. Oh, oh, I like that one. Own your own experience, but do not be defined by it. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm loving these answers, guys. And the cool thing is, the reason I open up to you guys as well, there isn't really a one-size-fits-all answer to resilience. It, it is sort of you put your own flavor and your own style on it. So identifying for you as an individual what does move you towards that more adaptive resilience, post-traumatic growth opportunity Um is incredible. And a lot of the answers you're, you're sending through align so nicely with, with my perspective on this. Uh, from my perspective, one of the best ways for us to set ourselves up for post-traumatic growth and that adaptive resilience and, and you know, becoming better from the challenges that we face in life is you may have come across the term learned helplessness. 
at some point. Uh, so Dr. Seligman, founder of Positive Psychology, very famed for doing tests on um, on dogs at the time. You know, and he's has said that in his career, it's the one regret he has is actually doing those animal studies, which and he moves away from them entirely now, which is fascinating. But the research at the time was amazing around finding out basically there's a tipping point. So we face a challenge or a big traumatic change in our life and we could go down post-traumatic stress or we could go down post-traumatic growth. And what he's found is there's three characteristics that will determine which track you end up going down. So again, if you're taking feel free to write these down. They're awesome to know. Um, So the three things that will send us more likely down the post-traumatic stress uh, and not be resilient or have that adaptive resilience uh, to view the situation as permanent. So as soon as we start seeing it as like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, this is going to go on forever. There's no way I'm going to be able to move through this or get out of it. It puts us more likely to go down that track of post-traumatic stress. Uh, interestingly enough, they've also found these three characteristics are very present in, uh, in chronic depression as well. So they've found like, again, so many uh, mental illnesses and struggles with mental health are linked to these uh, three components of learned helplessness. Uh, the second one is to view it as personal. So this is where we have a very self-identified view of the world. So it's like, this is personally attacking me. It's, it's almost like we make it all about ourselves rather than see it, um, you know, in this bigger global perspective or zoom out a little bit and gain some clarity around it all and go, okay, well, hang on. This is not just about me as an individual. Um, and then the third one is to see it as pervasive. So pervasive is where we start to see it trickle across all areas of life. So a good example of this is, you know, unfortunately I know a lot of people at the moment are going through losing their jobs or having reduced income uh, due to everything happening in the world at the moment. If we start to then view that as, okay, well, this means that I'm not going to be able to put the roof over my house, you know, roof over my head. We're going to lose the house, which means my partner is not going to love me anymore. And they're going to leave me, which means I'm not going to have a family, which means then my health's going to suffer. You know, I'm going to go back to drinking. You know what I mean? We start to really, it goes around all these areas of life. That's where we're more likely to end up going down that path and not be resilient in the face of it. So if we look at the exact opposite, yeah, AJ's hit the nail on the head with catastrophizing there. Um, if we look at the exact opposite, the way to bring ourselves back from this, and the beautiful thing, which I love about this, you only need to break one of those three to not have to not go down the post-traumatic stress path. So post-traumatic stress and chronic depression, learned helplessness, all three have to be present. So ideal world, we get all three of the other side, but sometimes that can be a huge um, amount of pressure to put on ourselves to go, oh my God, I'm seeing that I do all three of these. How in the world am I going to change all three? You don't have to. Start with one. Start with whichever one you think might be a bit easier to shift. So on the other side, we've got seeing it as impermanent. So going, okay, this is temporary. This is a challenge that will pass at some point. Uh, If you've ever looked into Buddhism, there's a lot around impermanence, which I love. So going, okay, this is, you know, everything comes and goes. This too shall pass. Uh, so having the ability and a nice way to make that shift is to go, there are chances are there've been times in your life already where you were like, there's no way I'm going to get through this. I can't see the end inside. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. And yet here you are, you made it out the other side. So having that perspective to go, okay, there's been times when I thought this would never end and yet it did can help us make that shift over to impermanent. Uh, the second one is to go impersonal. So that's, again, that perspective taking of going, this isn't actually all about me. 
Uh, this is not a personal attack. This is not the world is against me and it's me versus the world. Uh, this is something larger. So I think there's so many ones that people have commented already, like connecting with other people and gaining perspective and asking for their experience. I mean, having that compassion and empathy and open dialogue and a lot of what you guys are doing throughout this summit, which I love, is building that. It's going, okay, this isn't just about me. This is something we're facing as a community and we can do this together. We know that that helps tip us more towards that adaptive resilience. And then the last one that's going to help tip us that way is to see it as a localized thing. So again, this is instead of seeing it go across all perspectives or all areas of life, we go, this is specifically affecting this area of my life, but this is still okay. So, you know, for example, at the moment, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very used to, I go to the gym and work out. Obviously the gyms are closed and I caught myself at one point going, okay, well, the gym's closed, which means I can't work out, which means I'm going to be unhealthy, which means, you know, then this is going to have an effect. My energy is going to drop. The business is going to be affected. I could see it just spreading. And I went, oh, I know what I'm doing, right? I'm making it this massive pervasive problem. When in reality, when I broke it down to, okay, the actual narrow problem is the gym is closed and I need to find a new way to work out. <laughs> it made it seem way easier to tackle. And now I'm playing basketball every day again. I'm going for runs. Um, but it's hard. You know what? I, it's, it, you know what yeah. that reminds me of? There's there's a clip on YouTube called First World Problems. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? And to me that and it's actually very in context of what we're talking about because it's a comedy clip, right? It literally is a yeah. comedy clip. But it points out these people in developed countries mm. who are reacting com- completely disproportionately mm-hmm. because their air conditioning's at 23 degrees instead of 22 degrees or yeah. things like that, you know. So yeah. it's actually tapping into exactly what you're talking about, about how that can create a loop in somebody's mind mm. and it can become your entire world. I love that. I love that. I'm not just asking if we can share the link for that clip, which I think would be great. It would be really cool to see that um, clip that you were talking about as well. Throw it in the chat. Um, oh, does anyone have any questions around that, like that second type of resilience being that adaptive resilience, pushing us more towards post-traumatic growth rather than post-traumatic stress, uh, and the three components we just spoke about there on how to switch that track? If anyone has any questions, feel free to throw them in now before we look at that third type of resilience together. I'm an open book. Yeah, Nosh, I'll just, I'll find the clip and I'll share it. Yeah, I love this. Being aware is the key, 100%. We can't change what we can't see. Um, and then, you know, uh, implementation as well. I'm a huge believer in, the, if everyone's come to me speak alive, the amount of times I say this sentence blows people's minds, but knowledge is not power. Like we're, we're so often told knowledge is power. It is not. Knowledge is potential power. But if you don't do anything with it, nothing's going to change. So coming along to this talk, learning about resilience, it's not going to make you more resilient magically. I don't have a magic wand that does that. But taking some of those strategies we've spoken about and going, okay, I can see how I can implement that or integrate it into my life. Awesome. That's where you're going to get a change. Um, So Joe's just asked, every time you make it through a bad time and adapt, the next time should be easier. Uh, In a way, they have found that resilience is a bit like a muscle. So the more we build it up, the better. Which, And again, like using that analogy, I wouldn't say try to practice these shifts in resilience, um, you know, on your most difficult pressing challenge straight away. It's kind of like going, let's say it's like a sport, it's like soccer, you've never kicked a ball in your life. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to go play in the A-League. Probably going to be a bit of a hard thing to adapt to. We want to build our way up to it. So they have found evidence that shows that uh, when we do use 
these strategies and tactics and increase our adaptive resilience, it does make us more adaptable in future as well, provided we're not doing too big of a jump from like small challenge to huge challenge. Um, exercise and contingency plans, yeah, definitely helps out. Um, it can help just give that sense of certainty as well of being like, okay, I know I've got a backup plan no matter what goes on. We're not taking as much of a, a gamble on life not playing by our plans because if there's one thing I can promise everyone, life does not play by our plans. <laughs> life uh, has its own plan. I think adapting to that and being open to that is what is what is beautiful. Um, so what we'll look at is the third one. So this, again, to normal level resilience, to recap what we've looked at, we've got our natural built-in resilience like a tank, chronic stress, traumatic events can drain that tank. We have our second one, which is that adaptive resilience, which is putting us more on post-traumatic growth instead of post-traumatic stress. We spoke about learned helplessness and how to make that switch. And the third one, which I love, this is actually my favorite. The third one is restored or learned resilience. Now, restored or learned resilience is using very clear, practical strategies and techniques to top up your resilience tanks. Remember how we said we're born with this resilience tank, but over time it can drain throughout life? What this third type of resilience is, is restoring it, rebuilding, you know, putting us back on a, on a good, uh, good amount of uh, resources to bounce back with. So there's actually seven roots of this type of resilience or seven uh, strategies to do this restored resilience or this learned resilience. This is one that we have the most control over. You can do this at any time in your life. So we've got our born one, which is obviously very nature. We have our challenges that come into hand, which is probably more nurture. And then we've got this one, which is 100% nurture. It's just entirely in our control. You can practice these things any day of the week and strengthen up your resilience stores. So I'm a little bit more uh, favorable to this one. Um, So before we jump into it, I'm going to give you guys a chance to guess again. What do you think the seven strategies, what do you think one or two of them might be that really help restore that resilience tank and really help refill it so we've got more in the, t- in the tank for later. Your, your, your example earlier has to be on there around exercise. <laughs> um, uh, it's, so exercise helps. It fits into one of them, but it's not a direct strategy itself, which okay. is uh, interesting. So, so we've got rest internal. and being open. Don't victimise yourself. This is what mm-hmm. people are guessing so far. Mm-hmm. I love this. Other ways people think we might be able to learn gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good sleep. Coming in definitely helps. We know a lot about that. Time doing things that you love and mm. being creative. Mm. I love this. And again, remember I said before, there's no one size fits all answer to resilience. I love that you guys are sort of finding your own style and your own blend. I always say when I, when I talk on this topic and I share the seven roots of resilience, which I'm about to share with you guys. Imagine it's like walking into a, a clothing store and you try out a full new outfit that you're going to go out, you know, new shoes, new pants, new shirts, um, everything, the, the full, full kit. I always say try them on, but don't expect that they're all going to be the right fit for you. So you might try all these strategies and go, actually, you know what? I only like these three of the seven. Awesome. Don't do all seven. Just do those three and do them really well. Um, you know, you don't have to have the jeans if you don't like the jeans leave them at the store um so i think it's really nice when we go this is what research in positive psychology is saying they're really evidence-based really empirical evidence showing that it's really beneficial but you guys we're all unique individuals and we can have our own styles and flavors we don't have to follow this one size fits all i'm loving these 
answers guys. Yeah, we also have community, family, support, awesome. mantras to yourself about telling awesome. yourself that you're capable, that self-talk, and recognising your own patterns and being adaptive to change. I love it. I love it. Guys, you're on fire. Well, what I might do is we'll, we'll go through the seven and you'll see a lot of yours are fitting in really nicely there. Um, so the seven that we found in positive psychology, this is from Emmons, so E-M-M-O-N-S, Emmons, seven roots of resilience. Um, so this is, these are the seven that sort of have the most research and data behind them. Uh, but they're put in catchy terms, which I love. I, I always love when <laughs> psychologists actually go, hey, this is an easier way to remember it. Uh, and it's a bit more tongue in cheek. So Emmons describes the first one being balancing brain chemistry, hormones, and physical health. So this is our big one in terms of exercise and sleep would come into this. Nutrition would come into this as well. Um, you know, nourishing our, our, our body with good food. I'm sure you guys are aware of the amount of research being done between gut health and brain at the moment. Like that gut brain access is incredible. Like uh, the vast majority of our uh, neurochemicals that signal happiness and well-being are actually created in our gut. So if we're not nourishing that, it does make it harder to stay resilient. So this first one is really about anything to do with balancing out brain chemistry, physical health, hormones, um, which you guys guessed a lot of great strategies for there. Uh, the second one is managing our actual energy levels. So whereas the first one's more of like a, okay, let's look at the chemicals. Let's look at the hormones. The second one's more like, how do you actually feel day to day? So again, a lot of those strategies could filter through into this one, but other ways that can help with this, gratitude. We know gratitude boosts our energy levels. Um, so a lot of the strategies you guys have noticed actually tick a few of these uh, roots of resilience. They don't have to fit into one box. They can blend, which is really nice. Um, I joke with people that I'm a very lazy coach. And if I can find three strategies that do the work of 100 strategies, I'll just do those three. Uh, there's <laughs> no need you? to overwhelm yourself. <laughs> Bring on the lazy coaches. I exactly. <laughs> we might call it efficiency. <laughs> So the third one, which is a really beautiful one that they've found is actually aligning ourselves with nature. So the founder, you may have heard of Shinrin Yoku, which is a Japanese term uh, meaning forest bathing. So they've actually found so many physical, mental, emotional health and well-being benefits of being around nature. Uh, to the point where it's obviously, you know, being barefoot in nature is beautiful. Surrounding ourselves with trees is beautiful. If that's really challenging for you, if you're in a very uh, developed area, here's a little handy hint. So they've found that you can get some of the benefits, not all of them, uh, but some of the benefits just from putting photographs of nature in your house, mm. like, which is incredible. They've actually done tests now where they just put in uh, offices, they just put pictures of trees and people are happier. Uh, we are so closely linked to... Uh, to nature and I think can I, I, can I give you a specific example of that we're yes. running a summit because yes. AJ and I are on screen for yes. multiple hours during the day like we're um, much more than we normally are during the day mm. Uh, mm. I know AJ does her morning walks but for me I've just been heading over into the park and literally laying oh, on the grass getting it. as much as myself on the grass as I can mm. in between different sessions because I'm finding that increased um, presence in front of tech the whole time is actually having quite an effect. Of course. So I need to have that antidote. So it's a good of example course. about the nature one. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's um, 
the the house that we're actually moving to tomorrow is a granny flat out on an acreage and a property and i'm just so excited to be out there because it's just surrounded by nature all day every day um yeah and aj says she's doing two nature walks and a oh, couple of meditations in a day so I love it. it's good examples of us managing our own resilience through perfect. this process. perfect i love it oh this is incredible um now our, our fourth strategy and when we do all seven i'd love for you guys to put in the chat like what because again, if we're going to be lazy and choose top three, what three do you think resonate with you the most? Like what three are you like, oh, that speaks to me. Either maybe it speaks to you because you're already doing it and benefiting from it. Or you're like, oh, I haven't done that in a while. I feel like that would really help right now with my resilience. Uh, so our fourth one is, is learning how to calm our mind. So obviously meditation is a great tool for this. Active journaling, uh, anything around acceptance and commitment therapy. I'm a huge fan of. If you haven't read The Happiness Trap by Dr. Russ Harris, do yourself a favor. It's a good it. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything around learning just how to manage our mind a little bit more effectively. Um, and Dr. Russ is hilarious. I actually pinched that analogy of uh, only use the strategies that gel with you, the, the clothing analogy from him. Uh, I was at a workshop getting trained by him and he's like, you don't have to do everything I say. Like, <laughs> just choose the ones that work for you. I'm not some all-knowing, almighty person that says everyone has to do this. And I was like, I like that. I like that approach. Um, our fifth one, our fifth strategy that increases resilience is learning how to skillfully face our emotions. Now, I want to highlight that one. It's obviously one where I do a lot of work with people to skillfully face our emotions. Unfortunately, you know, it's very common in society for us to repress our emotions or distract ourselves for them or, you know, basically look away from them. I love this idea of facing our emotions and actually expressing them and connecting with them, whether they be challenging and difficult emotions or really, you know, enjoyable emotions. I try not to use positive and negative for emotions. I think they all serve their purpose. They're all meaningful and important for us to connect with. But then I love that idea of skillfully facing them. So we're not just turning and facing them and trying to confront them with no tools or strategies to help because that can be overwhelming, right? But actually have some resources and some guidance and help to go, I know how to handle this. Like I know how to confront overwhelm now and actually navigate and work through it. I know how to look at stress and burnout and navigate and move through it. And again, the stuff you guys are doing on this summit is adding so many tools to your toolkit to help with that. Um, I love it. It's such a great thing you guys are doing. Uh, our last two, uh, this one really spoke to me when I uh, was first learning this. The sixth one is cultivating a good heart. So cultivating a good heart is really about, again, gratitude is a huge part of this. Um, as is compassion and empathy and understanding, um, seeing the good in people and the good in the world is such a profound and powerful way. We know that when people change the meaning of a situation, they're more likely to be resilient in it. You guys may have come across um, Viktor Frankl, who has done amazing, amazing research from terrible circumstances and situations that people should not have to go through. Uh, so he was the creator of logotherapy. Um, and why am I mind blanking on the book? Someone can, can help me out with this. Man's What's the search book? Man's Search for Meaning. Thank you. Um, incredible, incredible book uh, just about his experiences of how we can change the meaning that we apply to situations that we're in and still come from a place of having a good heart. And I know something that's really helped me, you know, because resilience isn't just facing external challenges. Sometimes resilience is facing challenges within relationships and with other people. Uh, be it workplace relationships, romantic relationships, whatever it may be. 
I know something that's really helped me with that part of resilience in particular is just coming from the assumption that everyone is acting from a place of positive intention. Now, their strategies might be terrible. Like their way of going about that positive intention might be atrocious. Don't get me wrong. Like and it doesn't mean we're just a pushover and we're condoning everyone's behavior. But I think when we can connect with the human behind the behavior and go, okay, they're doing this for some sort of positive reason, it allows us to cultivate that good heart. And then we're actually more resilient to ourselves as well. Um, I think that's a question part. The name of the author, Victor Frankl. Uh, um, spelling it is, it's, it's Victor spelled normal, right? And then Frankl is just, yep, perfect. KL. Um, incredible, incredible resource. A uh, little bit dry at the start, a little bit tough to get into, I found. But once you're into it, it uh, it's a good, good run through. Uh, and then our last one, our last strategy we're going to talk about today for building that uh, third type of resilience that learned resilience, which I love, is creating deep connection. Now, this might mean deep connection to other people. This might mean uh, deep connection to uh, yourself. This might mean deep connection to place. So you can feel very connected to certain locations and places. Um, Again, it's up to you to how you actually approach this. So we've got those seven sort of strategies. I think someone's actually just put in the link there as well. If anyone wants to revisit the seven roots of resilience, um, yeah, in psychology today. Amazing. Perfect. Uh, yes, there you go. And there's his book, The Chemistry of Calm. Uh, so that's a really great resource to help revisit these. Like, as I said, most of the work I do will be pulled from positive psychology, NLP, cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, or mindfulness. Those are the five that I've studied and the team have studied and we blend them. Um, I'm just very much enjoying positive psychology's approach lately because it is so evidence-based. It's so rigorously researched. Um, But I'll open up to you guys. Throw in the chat, of those seven, what three do you think might be your favorite? And why as well? I'm always curious about why those three. Like, do you currently do them and you love them? Have you done them in the past and maybe let them slide a bit? What three would be your favorite and why? Gratitude. We have gratitude as a favorite. A good tip, mindful.org has lots of great resources. Yeah, thanks for sure that. Does. Sure does. Calm mind, love meditation. Mm, nice, yeah, yeah. So learning how to calm our mind, learning with nature, beautiful. And I think also you, you might have already referred to this, but I think it's interesting how you can combine multiple of those at one time, you know, yes. meditating over at the park or you know, Amazing. playing with your kids and your pet together or whatever it might be. Yeah. Playing with pets, meditation, gratitude practice, cultivating a good heart, gratitude's a big one, exercise, nutrition, thinking about combining, yeah. Moving yeah. how my body feels. Mm. And that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because some days you feel like doing some things and other days mm. you feel like doing different things. Mm-hmm. So Eric has said number six, I really connect with understanding others are coming from a good place and that change mm. can have in your own mindset to a situation. Yep. Yoga every morning. Yeah, I love these answers, guys. These are so beautiful. And, and I think it's interesting just while we're looking at some more of those answers to come in to consider the flip side of resilience being mm. stress because mm. I often like to think about stress as a situation where you have less tools than you need Mm. to deal with the situation. And resilience is so perfect because it allows you to increase the number of tools that you've got in your toolkit. So no matter what comes your way, Mm. you've been able to build that up and you've Mm. got something to deal with that. So I I like thinking of those things together. 
Hundred percent. I know we regularly, you know, our sort of tagline at BU is we say it's the tools and tribe to thrive. So we look at we need the tools, we need the actual strategies, the techniques, the tangible, but we also need the tribe. We need the connection, the the coaches and mentors, the community, the um, people around us. When we put those two together, that's where we put ourselves in the best position. Not just to get to neutral. I think that's why I love positive psychology and why so much of my approach to helping people with their mental and emotional well-being has been influenced by it. I think it's about more than just getting from negative 10 to neutral. I think it's how do we go into plus 10 and into thriving and into flourishing because that's where we do create that ripple effect we spoke about at the start. Um, Absolutely. And th- and I think it's interesting to to think about the times that we're in right now and, you know, really ask ourselves how do we want to be at the end of that? Do we want to just you know, suffer through it or do we want to thrive through it? And Mm. it's really up to us. It's entirely Mm. up to us as to how we come out the other side of it. So someone's just popped in, Joe's just popped in, balancing brain chemistry. Something I know how to do but let slide and don't do enough, yeah. Good catch. There's a good little little awareness point. Yeah, I love uh, Joe obviously mentioned up there as well, skillfully facing emotions. Joe's a graduate of ours. Hey, Joe, good to see you. So Joe's a graduate of BU. Um, I know she's been doing amazing things since graduating. Uh, that's awesome, guys. This is so cool. So one thing I will sort of uh, finish on before we open up just to like an open Q&A and any questions you guys have about resilience, well-being, mental and emotional, thriving, whatever you guys want to ask me, as I said, I'm very open book, is I will make the point, again, if you take a couple of things from this talk, I hope one of them is that resilience isn't just a born with or born without thing. You can cultivate it. You can grow it. You can develop it. I hope you also take away that it doesn't have to be overwhelming. And often resilience is this sort of concept that's spoken about a lot, but very rarely put into clear, tangible, hey, this is how you do it and get better at it. I think a lot of people go, yes, resilience is really good. It's like, yeah, but how do I do resilience? (laughs) Like, how do I increase it? So whether you take a couple of those strategies we've spoken about today, whether you take um, one or two or all of them, I'd again, put them into practice because knowledge doesn't make the difference. Implementation does. And then the third thing I'd really love for you guys to take away from this talk and, and, and really embody is that it's really hard to be resilient when you're running on empty yourself. And the reason I wanted to include that in this talk is because I know a lot of the people who would be tuning into this summit would be helper sort of type personalities. Uh, you know, we love to give back and help others. We love to lift others. We love to support others. And I've just seen so often uh, you know, the vast majority of our members at BU are in those helper type industries. They're in education, they're in coaching, they're in um, allied health is a very popular one or social work. And it's just this pattern of give, 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 give. And I think it is just now that it fall down. Yeah. Just give, give, give to the point of burnout. Unfortunately, we do often see this idea that giving back to self and employing these tools and strategies for yourself and taking the time required to do them well for yourself is seen as selfish or we tell ourselves it's selfish. I think that's a load of rubbish. Um, if you guys can really embody that there's two types of selfishness. So there's traditional selfishness, which is I'll put myself first at the detriment of others. Uh, we don't want more of that in the world. We definitely don't need more of that in the world. That's Please don't go away from this talk and go, Declan said, be more selfish and then do that type. That's not, <laughs> that's not the takeaway. Um, but there's this other type of selfishness, which is really beautiful called healthy selfishness. Healthy selfishness is I will put myself first for the benefit of others it comes back to knowing that when we are looking after ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, we're in a better place to support those around us anyway. We help people without the resentment that comes with it. Uh, If we're not doing that, I don't know if you guys have ever got to the point where you're like, I'm so sick of people asking for my help. 
well, you know, it's, we want to actually refill ourselves up first. The best analogy I've ever heard for this is, of course, the oxygen mask analogy of when we're on a plane. I've never heard someone on a plane and when travel does open back up again and we're all on planes again, um, listen to the, to the safety talk. I've never heard one say, in the case of an emergency, run around and put everyone else's mask on first because if you secure yours first, you're a selfish jerk. It's just never I am. I always love to add a little twist to this conversation because I always talk about um, the person who is over-caring and over-giving and feeling like they're doing the right thing. They, They feel like they're coming from the right place, but I always think that that person's inherently the most selfish person because they're actually not stepping up, taking care of themselves, yeah. and they're not able to operate in the world at the mm. level that they otherwise would be if exactly. they were taking care of themselves, and that's what often they don't understand. 100%. It, it, we, do, we can't create that long-term ripple effect. It's such a short-term benefit. Um, not to just imagining running around putting on oxygen masks and having a chuckle. It's hilarious when we think about it, but how often have we fallen into the trap of doing it? Uh, the other analogy I use for that, obviously, is when we're on the plane, we don't want to run around putting on everyone else's mask uh, without putting ours on first. But we also don't want to just put ours on, kick our feet up and put our hands behind our head and relax. There's still people to help, right? We want to yeah. find that middle ground, ours on first and then help others. And I'm just saying, oh my God, Alicia, yeah. Uh, Healthy Selfish is one of the best things she's worked on. Again, uh, one of our, Alicia's in sophomore year with us. Jamie, sophomore year. Oh my God, I'm seeing all my members jump Being on. Hey, How cool is that? Hey, everyone. Hey, look, we do have a question. So are you cool of to course. take course. Yeah, I'm open to questions. Go wild, so guys. This is from Nosh and the question is, how do you make yourself believe that the person is coming from a good heart, mm. especially time and time again when the person can be so negative? Mm. Mm. Great question. Really good question. I mean, I'd always start with on this one, Catch the generalization of where we personify someone by behaviors. So the person is negative. Are they or are they showing some negative tendencies? Like I don't think the entire person is negative. So again, if we break apart that generalization, it's my favorite one is when someone says my boss is a bitch. And I'm like the whole, all the time, every second of the day. <laughs> like she, I was like, yeah, maybe sometimes she shows some bitchy behaviors, right? But she is not a bitch herself, <laughs> So I think giving us that perspective really helps. The other one that helps well is we call it five whys theory. And so someone maybe is, you know, showing some negative behaviors. Hey, why are they doing this? And we get another answer. We go, yeah, but why would they be wanting that? And we go down, why that? Why down? And we just keep working our way down um, until we can find that positive intention. Good questioning. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one, which I love is the perspective of, I don't think I've met that many people ever who've woken up day after day in their life and going, you know what, today I'm going to ruin someone else's day. I'm going to destroy someone's happiness and I'm going to be an absolute jerk to everybody who comes in contact with me. I just don't think, like, as a general rule of thumb, that's what human beings are always designed to do. I entirely agree with that. And I would say, you know, in my work all the time, regularly, Mm. like at least daily, Mm. I see different situations where, people have an entirely different intent yep. to what they have impact. Yes. Now, that doesn't excuse them and it doesn't yes. mean that they haven't had that impact and it doesn't mean they haven't done that poor behaviour, but it does mean that they didn't get out of bed that morning wanting to be a bitch, Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I love, again, coming back to people have a positive intention, their strategies for that intention could be atrocious, right? Yeah. So, again, we're not just forgiving those. We're actually shifting it. Um, 
I love that every talk. I, yes, I would love that every talk I ever do descends into swearing at some point. Um, I've, I've kept <laughs> the lid on it so restrained. much. Oh, I have been. I'd always swear like a sailor. Um, but I love that at the end. To not swear. <laughs> I love that at the end we've just we've just put in a couple of little bitches and dickheads. It's the best way to learn. Best do way you to feel learn. better now? I feel incredible. <laughs> um, thank you for that. All right. So if there is any last questions just before we wrap up, before we get some last words of wisdom from Declan, just drop them in the comments. But I think people have been great at, you know, sharing their comments and asking Mm. things as we've gone along. And it's been super interactive as well, which makes it really enjoyable for everyone. So a massive thank you to you, Declan, for your time and energy and willingness to share part of who you are with us and, to share part of all the stuff that you're learning and teaching and knowing with us as well, because that's what makes the entire summit worthwhile. So, and also a huge thank you to our participants. Mm. And I've seen many of you who are in this talk on different talks throughout the summit. So I'm hoping that what you're able to do is look at what Declan said against what someone else has said and someone else has said, and really start to, put together a picture of what are some of the common themes that people are talking about that are meaningful to you that you can take away and change that you can make in your life immediately. What would you like to say just to wrap up at the end? Any words of wisdom? Again, I'd come back to that knowledge is not power, guys. Like, please, you guys have such an amazing opportunity on this summit throughout the entire time to learn some incredible skill sets and add some great tools. Please do something with them. Don't get to the end of the summit and then just go, well, that was interesting to learn and then never implement. Take a couple that have really resonated, put them into practice. That's not just going to help you. It's going to spread that ripple effect. Um, And for anyone who does want to connect with me more, I'll just put some links up in the group um, to connect with me. And I've got a little free gift for everyone as well. And we've got a one-page emotional overwhelm checklist. So if you are feeling quite overwhelmed and you don't know how to get that spacing from our mind or skillfully face our emotions those two that we spoke about in the seven this is a tool that can help with that so i'll put them fantastic yep so feel free just to drop them in the group that's the perfect way to do it and everyone can access them and for those of you who are online if you're wondering what's up next we have rebecca gibson at Mm. 10 o'clock and she is talking about soul leadership Now, she's a very interesting background. She has a background in mental health and well-being as well as being a psychic. So she might take you out of your comfort zone depending on what your belief systems are around some of that, but she's a fantastic speaker and she's really worth jumping on for. She's at 10 o'clock. You will have to get on the Zoom link. So you have to go to the human power link. AJ, can you just drop the human power link quickly into the group if you're still there? Um, So you'll have to go back to that because of our live streaming glitches. And then at 11 o'clock, we have Dr. Jerry Rosenove, and he is talking about bringing calmness during the corona situation. So both of those excellent speakers, 10 and 11 o'clock. And again, a massive thank you, Declan, and hope to see you inside some of the other speakers. 100%. All right, take care. Awesome. See you, everyone. Bye. Thank you.